This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a Duct Tape Than Beer production, with additional support from New Belgium Brewing, Kuat Racks, and Patagonia. There's a place I know, there's some people there that I know are evil, but I just don't care. I sat by myself in a hostel in Granada, Nicaragua. For four months, I had bussed around Central America from one tourist hotspot to the next, and I had grown disenchanted with the backpacking lifestyle. My travels certainly included many genuine moments, but that was not at the forefront of my mind as I watched all the other tourists head out for another night of drinking in the ubiquitous backpacker bars that serve cheap drinks for gringos with dollars in their pockets. Sometimes it felt like an entire culture of people who simply wandered around in search of the next best landmark to take their photo with and the next best bar with even cheaper beer. I was over it. So, instead of going out, I browsed Google Maps. I wanted to come up with something, an idea, a trip, that would light a spark in me, the way backpacking first had. I thought back to a pair of Americans I met in Cuba. They had flown down on one-way tickets, built a tandem bicycle out of spare parts, and rode it across the country. They had made the trip on a whim and spoke little Spanish. All this made their trip seem so audacious next to mine. And that's when an idea struck me. In the coming fall, I planned to move from Oakland, California to Squamish, BC to go to university. I could make the trip on bike. And better yet, I could build the bike myself. I didn't know the first thing about building a bike, nor had I ever ridden more than 40 miles in a day. But the promise of adventure that bike touring held seemed so attractive that I didn't even consider my lack of experience. When I returned home, I began to search for used frames. For weeks, I perused Craigslist and asked friends, but never found anything that seemed right. Then, one day, over lunch, my aunt suggested that I come take a look at my uncle's old bike. The next week, we opened her basement door and walked into the dusty room. There, among cardboard boxes and carpentry tools, stood a bright red bicycle. Through the dim light of the basement, I looked more closely at the bike. The frame had a few patches of rust, the components looked clunky, and the gears grated roughly when I spun the pedals. It had no seat post or saddle. It was essentially unrideable, but it did have character. The frame, fork, and handlebars were crafted from quality steel made in Italy around 1980. I would keep those. The rest of the components I would replace with modern equivalents. My uncle had once taken a bike touring in France, back in 1984, when the bike was nearly new. He rode it intermittently over the next 20 years. Then it sat untouched in the basement for about a decade until I found it. I took it home, posted a photo to Facebook, and declared that I planned to fix up this old and worn-out bike, and in three months ride it to Canada. When friends heard about my plans, their joking, almost mocking, responses showed that they didn't think I was serious. My family told me, you always have these grand plans, but never actually do them. That hurt a little bit, but made me even more determined. I saw that declaration as a commitment to myself to make it happen. The next day, I took the bike in to Biketopia Community Workshop, a nonprofit volunteer run workspace. 
The mechanics looked at the bike and told me that it was in unusually good condition, given that it had sat in a basement for 10 years. First, I needed to take the entire thing apart. Then we could put it back together, piece by piece. That day, I left with the frame slung over my shoulder and the rest of the parts in a cardboard box. A friend offered to give it a custom paint job, so I gave him free artistic reign, asking only that it represent Oakland in some way. I wanted this bike to take me to a new life in a new place, so I felt it should also represent where I came from. I got it back a week later with a beautiful yellow, green, and black motif of the roots and culture of home. I was overjoyed. For the next month, I worked on the bike at least a few times a week at Biketopia. I got to know the mechanics, and I began to discover the joy of working with my hands, something I had never really done before. I would arrive at the workshop shortly after it opened and be surprised to find it closing four hours later, wondering where the time had gone. Slowly, the bike came together. I meticulously cleaned and re-oiled or re-greased every part before returning it to its rightful place on the bike. I even rebuilt the rear wheel, weaving all the spokes together myself. As I spent more time with the bike and learned about how it worked, I decided to keep the old school components I originally thought I would replace. Since then, I've only grown more fond of the bar end shifters, brake levers, and leather strapped foot cages. Eventually, the day came when I could ride, not carry, the bike out of the shop. That first ride down the sidewalk, my chest swelled with pride and excitement. In the two weeks that remained before my departure, I rode around the city streets and back roads of the Bay Area and made adjustments. I tinkered with it until it rode like a finely tuned machine. But people didn't think such an old bike would last the thousand plus mile trip. I hadn't measured myself precisely to see if I matched the size of the bike. I just knew that my uncle stood about the same height as me. Other cyclists warned me that if the bike didn't fit me just right, it would cause long-term injuries. People cautioned me that the bike would constantly slow me down with mechanical failures. Pessimism abounded over the safety and feasibility of my proposed route. Highway 1 is too windy, too narrow, and too dangerous. You'll be hit by a distracted tourist or flattened by a semi. Are you sure you want to go alone? After failing to convince me not to go solo, one doubter insisted I take a gun and offered to buy me one. It's hard not to hear so much negativity and not absorb at least a little bit of it. So the night before the big day, I packed and repacked my bags, making frenzied last-minute preparations. I finally fell asleep mere hours before I was due to leave. When I awoke, I felt so sick to my stomach with anxiety that I couldn't eat. I had spent so long dreaming and planning that when the moment actually arrived, I felt stunned, struck by the fear of what was possible. My stepmom drove me to my starting point, the Golden Gate Bridge. I waved goodbye, and as I began to pedal north on my way out of the Bay Area, I swallowed a lump in my throat. Well, here I go, I said aloud to myself as I passed underneath the first bridge beam. And for a month, I rode on, always somewhere new. I passed through ugly, lifeless places and places of jaw-dropping beauty. I often felt exhausted, scared, frustrated, uncomfortable, and lonely. But I also felt excited, curious, fulfilled, awestruck, and happy. One night, depressed and longing for company, I wrote in my journal that I missed laughter. The next day brimmed with chance encounters with kind strangers. In a highway pullout, one couple shared their lunch and some much-needed encouragement as we admired Mount St. Helens across the valley. 
I finished the day descending from Elk Pass with 20 miles of straight downhill. I spent an hour whipping around corners at eye-watering speeds, hooting and hollering with joy, my spirit aloft. Later that night, a family saw me alone and invited me over to sit by their campfire and share s'mores and stories. The experiences I had bike touring felt so much richer than those I had backpacking in Central America. Backpacking, I didn't swing wildly between extremes of emotion. There wasn't as much uncertainty. I felt like a customer, always paying others to facilitate experiences for me. But riding my bike, I felt like I made those experiences myself, for better and for worse. And through all this was my bike. I put my faith in it. I trusted the realization of my dream to its sturdy steel frame, and not once did it fail me. It was the vehicle that brought me to new places, both in the world and within myself. I don't always do a great job of keeping my bike in perfect condition, and sometimes I let it sit for a week or two without riding it. But when I do take it for a ride, I remember why I love it. I'll ride in endless loops around campus in my neighborhood. I ride fast, spinning my pedals on the highest gear and daring myself to speed around corners without touching the brakes. And then I take it slow, making gentle arcs from side to side with my wheels and savoring the cool air as it flows over me. As I come around the road for the tenth time of the night, people look at me strangely, and my friends laugh. But I just think it's fun. To me, my bike is more than an assemblage of finely engineered pieces of metal. It is the validation of hard work and belief in the face of pessimism and doubt. It is the overcoming of physical and mental barriers. It is a reminder to myself that if I have a dream, the only person who can make it happen is me. Over time, I found that when I feel bad, I know that if I get on my bike and start pedaling, eventually I'll feel good again. And if I keep pedaling on long enough, chances are I'll feel great. My name is Graham Lee Rollins, and this is my short. Thank you, Graham, for sharing your story. And thank you, Nathaniel Harvey, for helping him record. As his school year at Quest University draws to a close, Graham is busy preparing his bike and himself for his next big trip, this time to the UK from London to the Isle of Skye. Music today by MC Culla, Chuck Hoffman, Angie and the Car Rex, Publish the Quest, and the British IBM. Publish the Quest are good friends of the diaries. You can learn more about them in the Sodad episode at publishthequest.com or find it at our website. The rest of the tracks come from Mevio's Music Alley and Free Music Archive. Support for the Diaries comes from you. Your donations, story submissions, music, and notes of thanks keep us going. Keep them coming, please. We appreciate them. Support for the Diaries comes from Patagonia. Visit patagonia.com where you can stream our new film, Force, about Mikey Schaefer and climbing in Patagonia. Additional support comes from New Belgium Brewing, who are now accepting short film submissions for their Clips Tour. You can find the submission guidelines at newbelgium.com. And support comes from Kuat Racks, now offering their classic NV rear bike rack in black. It's dope. Check it out at kuatracks.com. 
This episode of The Diaries was produced by Jen Altschul and Becca Cahal. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.